I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. You're listening to The Leaf Report with Canadian Press National Hockey writer Jonas Siegel and the Athletic TO's James Myrtle. All right, James, it is July 6th or 7th. You're in off-season mode. Yeah, off-season. So we're going to do kind of one more podcast before we probably take a break because there won't be anything to talk about. Assuming, well, actually, there might be something to talk about. Neilander might get signed to his Connor second Brown. contract. Connor Brown could get signed. So they maybe we'll, make a trade too, right? They could make a trade too. But sure we're going we'll to talk about it. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but so we want to recap kind of what the Leafs did in free agency. This is the Leaf Report podcast. It is brought to you by Bab Sox. I'm not uh, wearing Bab Sox today. Well, because I, I had to meet with respectable people, so I couldn't. <laughs> I had to have lunch with Joel you're, Carey. You're, you're wearing shorts. I didn't want to be wearing. Yeah, but I didn't want to be wearing. Do you think he knows who Mike Babcock is? Oh, yeah. Really? He's Canadian. So. He knows all he Canadians. Knows, he knows hockey. Okay, anyway, visit babsocks.ca. They had some cool, or they do have some cool, like, red bab socks. And I saw a lot of people kind of sporting them for Canada Day. I gave my red pair to my dad, so. That's a good gift. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so we'll talk about uh, who the Leafs signed, didn't sign in free agency, what trades they could still make, who might not be on the roster come the fall. Uh, The new contract for Zach Hyman we'll talk about. I think Austin Matthews is safe. For what? Oh, from being on the team? Being on the roster, yeah. And we'll also finally actually look at some of the questions that people sent on Twitter. I actually looked for once. But anyway, let's start with... Yeah, normally I ask for questions and then we forget and we ignore them and then... Yeah, we don't... But we appreciate everyone sending in questions. Right. So we'll start kind of the order of least importance to the team with the goaltenders and actually maybe that's a bad way to intro it because we actually <laughs> the whole point of talking about it is actually that they're probably you gotta wait for the good stuff shit yeah so we'll talk about Patrick Marlowe a little <laughs> bit after this so let's start with the goaltenders they bring back Curtis McElhinney for two years they signed Garrett Sparks um, I texted you after I don't understand their love for Curtis McElhinney you get two years can you explain no. both parts of it what do you think there's, it is? I, there's this idea, I think, that they don't want a guy that's going to threaten Anderson at all and that Anderson's going to come in knowing he's going to play the 65 games no matter what. And You know, it's going to be interesting because they have fewer back-to-backs. They had 18 last year. They're going to have 14 next year. It's going to be interesting if what games Babcock gives McElhinney outside of back-to-backs at all. 
my concern as always is injury, inconsistency. I like having a really good backup. No offense to Curtis McElhinney, who's like a super nice guy and the young players like him and all that kind of stuff, but he's just, he's a below average backup that you don't want to play more than 15 games a year. Well, for a team that is now trying to contend for a cup, yeah. In those cases where a goaltender gets hurt or a goaltender struggles, Pittsburgh doesn't win the cup without Mark Andre. They don't Fleury. win the cup. No, like you, McElhaney is their backup. They don't. So then, why not insulate yourself with someone who can actually play? Like maybe they didn't want to spend on on someone like Brian Elliott, but Brian Elliott could play twenty five to thirty games. Did, he could play more. Didn't Chad Johnson get two and a half million? Like the prices on the backups were surprisingly high. Yeah, and uh, Steve Mason, I think, got four. Yeah, for two years. Yeah. But still, like the the point is, like you want someone who can play in a pinch, and he is not that guy. And like, tried to get a young guy that like has more promise than. Yeah. You know what I think? What about this idea? Garrett Sparks has a good year with the Marlies. He's the backup the year after that. Okay. I guess yeah, and that, and that he could potentially be that guy who can play a little bit more. I mean, his first NHL his numbers are pretty good. audition wasn't good. The no. numbers were bad, but last year the numbers looked fine. He had a pretty good year. Yeah, I guess that's that, maybe that's the, the the second year plan. But for this year, you need someone. Like you're, you're going to get to a point, and I understand this idea of not wanting to threaten Anderson, but like, like it's uh, the NHL. Like I like, would threaten them. There's so many good goalies, and just like every year, like go through most of the goaltenders. Something happens with a goalie every year. Yeah. Like whether they get the hurt, average or they struggle. number one plays about 50 games because they get hurt. Yeah. Well, and the one thing, and you pointed out this. Bo- this before is Anderson showed last year he's either really 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 good or really bad and so like you would want someone I would think you could just split starts with him when he's struggling right. yeah but I guess they don't want to do that and yeah. maybe this comes down to Mike Babcock I, don't I like know. that Calvin Pickard guy that uh, Vegas took from Colorado like I don't know what he's going to be but he might be good but obviously they didn't have a chance at him and it doesn't seem like they I don't know it seemed like they fell in love with what Curtis McElhinney was and are just content with that. I just think it can not, like if, if we're talking about things that could screw them up this year, that's high on my list. Yep. Anderson gets hurt, Anderson struggles, yep. Curtis McElhaney can't then play. Then you're dealing with McElhaney Sparks as your, your tandem and That's not good. It's it's a lot of risk. Yeah. High risk. Uh, Ron Hainsey, uh, two year deal, three million dollar cap hit. I think it's fine. Um, I always liked Ron Hainsey a lot. Yeah, I, did I don't too. know why he's bounced around so much, and like his analytics are pretty solid. And he's like not a very sexy like eye test player because he's big no. and he's not super super mobile. And the only thing is how old he is. Is you start to wonder if he's going to lose. I know some people were giving him crap for how badly he played for Pittsburgh in the playoffs. They had him on the top pair. Like mm-hmm. I think part of the reason he looked bad is that he was playing way over his head. He's he's like a number four, number five defenseman. And I think it's the same kind of idea with McElhaney. Maybe Haynes is your four this year and your five the year after if you can find a piece that can come in higher in the lineup. Well, and there's still a chance, and we can, we'll talk about this probably more a little later, that they Saving can trade. all the good stuff. Well, the, yeah, clearly. They'll, they can, they, can, they can still trade for someone later. Like, this doesn't have to be no. it. Uh, if but there's it, a right defenseman that's available, I mean, they still have lots of cap space. I think they got about $7.5 million once right. they get Horton and Lupel on long-term injured reserve. So that on a D. Well, so you pointed this out in your piece after kind of examining Ron Hainsey, that there was this comparable to Matt 
Hunwick and that the numbers looked better for Hunwick. But a there's tiny bit better. a little tiny bit better, but that miss misunderstands kind of the roles that both were in, especially last year. Hainsey played against top lines. Even in Carolina, he was going against yep. top lines. Um, so it kind of get into top like, PK unit. Right. So can you explain a little bit the difference between the two and why the numbers might not look as, as good as Hunwick's, like barely, but why Hainsey is actually the better Like choice. Basically, their numbers were very, very close in terms of shot suppression and shot generation and point production and all that stuff. But that's just that only takes into account even strength play. And on special teams, I think Hainsey's much more valuable because he's he's been a member of very, very good penalty kill units in the mm-hmm. past. I don't know if that was all him, but I think he's a better penalty killer than... He's the kind of player that, that Babcock needs. And the other thing, too, is he's, he plays the right side. I mean, he typically has played the right side. He he was on the right pair with uh, Dumoulin. The Leafs are desperate for a right pair guy. I mean, I was thinking maybe they should sign Franzen, but Hainsey's like more of that... Well, I was just going to inter- interrupt you. He's a big guy you. like Franzen, but a defensive presence. So that's in the notes here for what we want to talk about. I think he's a better fit for what they need than Franzen. Right. And he's a better fit for what they need than Hunwick, too. I mean, yes. I would have been okay with bringing Hunwick back, but then all of a sudden that means that Riley probably has to play the right side or Hunwick has to play the right side. Or... Well, and the difference with that is with Hainsey, you can, I think you can feel a little bit more comfortable if you have to put him in a top four and have to match him up against a first or a second line. Yep. Hunwick, we saw that one year when he was playing with Riley, yep. they were just overmatched. Yeah. So, like, the thing with Hainsey, like, he played with Brian Dumoulin on their top pair in Pittsburgh last year. Didn't look good. Like, the pair struggled in the playoffs. But they were actually okay at last check in against Nashville in the cup final. He'll kill penalties. He kind of fits that role. And he can kind of bounce around. Like, he could, you could see him playing with Gardner if you have to. You could see him playing with Riley. And you yeah. can see him playing on a third pair. I would try him with both those guys. The thing is, if he's on your third pair, though, that means Zaitsev and Carriker in your top four. And I don't think that... Or that means they've traded for someone. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, that's totally right. fine. I mean, if they end up bringing somebody in, then, yeah, absolutely. Bump Hainsey down to the third pair or, yeah, or deal them or whatever. I mean, it's only $3 million bucks, And they, they got pretty short-term. And Right. The biggest concern is that he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's a big guy, and he's going to be getting pretty old. So Right, and he but, doesn't have much touch in no. terms of getting the puck out. Right, right. But presumably he'll be playing with someone who does. I'm interested. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if he's that's what I was thinking, too. If he's with Gardner and Riley, that he can just make the play to them with the puck and they can get it out. And we started to see more of that from Polak, I think, towards the end of his time. With right. The- well, and I was just going to mention him. I think he's someone, depending on how he's recovering from his injuries, who they could just bring back on, like, yep. nothing deal. Yep. Just they know what One he is. One million bucks. And, right. Yep. So, make him your 7 or your 8D. And right. If, if Marincin and Marchenko look hopeless early in the year, then maybe you need that seventh guy, right? That's going to be the battle for number seven or eight. Yeah. I guess and Dermot, Dermot is yeah. in that mix, too. I like Dermot as a dark horse to come in and play with Carrick on the third pair. I think that would be a good, young, skilled third pair. That would be interesting. Well, so let's see. Let's pretend Let's pretend they don't make a trade. Gardner Zaitsev, top pair? Yeah, I think I would start with that. And then Riley Hainsey? Yeah. And would you use, if you were Mike Babcock, would you use Gardner and Zaitsev against top lines like they did late in the year, or would you try Hainsey and Riley? I think I would start with Gardner and Zaitsev trying that. Or maybe you do Gardner, Hainsey, and put them against top lines. Yeah, that would be interesting. Because we didn't actually see that, Riley, Zaitsev, going against second and third lines as opposed yeah. to top lines. Well, I, all we know is that that pair has struggled. But maybe, when they were going maybe against they top struggled because the competition was too... Right. The other thing with like Riley, he looked better 
getting more offensive zone starts. Oh. Playing more with Matthews. Right. So so whoever that second pair is is probably going to play more with Matthews because we're assuming that Kadri's going to get the tough matches again. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, move on to Dominic Moore, who comes back to the team. One year, $1 million. Um, were you surprised that they didn't have any interest, apparently, in bringing Brian Boyle back, or do you think it was just price point they said this wasn't going to work? I thought maybe he was going for three years, and I could see being a bit leery on that. But I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure what happened with that. I don't. I haven't talked to Boyle or his agent since then. But he goes to New Jersey, which is looks like a no hope destination. He only gets two years, and he only gets 2.5. It's so a bit it surprising. Like I would have given him 2.5 to come play for the Leafs. How much? He's, how much better is he than Dominic Moore? He's better. He's younger. He's better. You can play Boyle up on your third line if someone's hurt yeah. a lot more easily. Well, Boyle's, we saw the effect that he had on Matt Martin. He pulled was, that line up. Yeah. And Kapanen, too, right? Right. But having both those guys, they, all of a sudden the Leafs had a very good fourth line that was making a difference in the playoffs for them. And Moore's still fine. Another guy like Hainsey who's quite old, but he had a good year last year in Boston. Good penalty killer. I would have brought back Boyle. I mean, they have the cap space. I don't know what the... I don't know what happened. I don't know if Boyle didn't want to come back. Or but maybe by signing, like, you still, they still have to sign Connor Brown. As of right now, they have not. Uh, if they want to go trade for that other player, then it might start to get tight if you had signed Boyle for two and a half, no? Well, it'll be another extra million and a half over more. I mean, they would still have five and a half, six million left. But let's say you bring in Votnin, who we can talk about, eh. or someone like that who's making okay. more money. Yeah. And then. There are ways, and then you sign Brown. Like suddenly, you're pretty yeah, tight. There are ways to open up some space, though. Like wave Marchenko and Fair. And, sure. Okay. You know, like demote a bunch of guys. Well, why? To me, why? Why Dominic Moore makes sense, and you and I have talked about a lot. This on, I can't get my words right. We have talked about this a lot on the podcast. There is like a prototype of what Mike Babcock really likes in a fourth line center, and there are two primary elements: can they win faceoffs, and can they kill penalties. And Dominic Moore was on the best penalty-killing team in the NHL last year in Boston, and he's 55% on the draw. Yep. So I think he, and he can still skate. Yep. So I think he fits kind of what might be. The other thing I want. think, too, is that it's only a one-year deal. So if the GOAT recovers and can play a fourth-line center role the year after, they've got that option. Right. Or who that that Adam Brooks kid, I mean... Yeah, I don't think he fills that role. But yeah. Not, you know what I mean? Like they Maybe they just leave them some more options than if you have Boyle locked in. But I would I like Boyle. I thought there just didn't really seem to be a ton of interest, I think, on both sides. Like, I don't think it went very far, was my sense. Well, would you say when you look at his brief time with the Leafs, I would say he was okay. He was okay to good, not more than good. Is that I fair? I think he was, yeah. I think he was... They didn't get any offense from him, but like no. that that was like a 20-game sample size. I don't think we saw the best of Brian Boyle. I think that he has more to give than, than what we saw. I think he was he seemed kind of worn out, I think, by the well, whole thing. You, I talked to him after the trade. The, the trade was hard. Like, yeah. It's hard on your family. And he had a newborn coming. And I don't know. He just he seemed really exhausted. Yeah, which is understandable. Uh, okay, let's get to the bigger signing of free agency, their biggest one. Patrick Marlowe, three years, 6-2-5 cap hit. Uh, I think everybody is most surprised by the length and the cap dollar. What was kind of your first thought when you saw what it was? That's how. The, that's the only way they could get him was right. by like giving more than like San Jose wasn't going to give him that. that. The only way they were going to get Marlowe was by 
basically saying we want you more than anybody else does and Babcock apparently did the hard sell I mean the guy's never played he's been in San Jose since he was 18 years old it's crazy it's crazy that he left yeah I just this is what I wrote about it too is I think people have to keep their expectations really modest for Marlowe because he's declined a lot in the last especially the last two years I mean he's I think he can only be like your 7th or your 8th best forward I mean I think that he's going to fill a role like I don't know he's going to be an upgrade on Komarov and guys like that but he's not a 30 goal guy anymore I mean he only had 27 last year with a really high shooting percentage he had 25 the year before like I don't think they should be counting on him to get 25 goals but I think they could be safe to say he's going to get 15 to 20 this is the thing I was told is that the velocity of his shot is not there anymore Mm -hmm. that he's lost some of the power there he was he was like a big time shooter yeah I remember he he used to be you know finished in the top 10 in shots on goal every year and I, he's lost some of the magic there. So, and the other thing that I hear people saying, I think Babcock said too, he can play all situations. Well, San Jose wasn't playing him in all situations. They stopped using him on the PK last yeah. year. Well, and do you know he what's interesting to the second power play unit? Do you know what's interesting about that? I looked up those numbers right after, uh, and you look up the year before, and the numbers were bad. Yeah. Like it was, they were getting worse every year. They were getting worse, and so yeah. like it's clear why Everything he was taken with off. Him the was getting kill. worse every year. His production on the power play he's, was getting worse every he's year. He's going to be 38. Like, that's what happens. It's not a slight on him. It's just a reality that, like, a guy who's 38 in September, I mean, that's... But... I have a rule if someone's older than me now in the NHL, it's, you got to buy or beware. But first point, they don't need him to be... They probably need him. They, he can be their eighth best forward. Like, they yeah. have seven better forwards than him. Counter-argument, he's making 6.25. He's the highest paid player on the whole team. Counter-argument be, to that, what do you spend the money on? Would you be better off bringing in... I don't know. Yeah. There were better fits, but like, okay, but okay, so like Justin Williams, would Justin I Williams would be a offered, better fit? Yes, I would have just offered yeah, Justin Williams more money. Like he only, what did he, he got two years, four and a half? Yeah, good yeah. number. Yeah, it's a really good number. Similar like, Leafs, I would offer him quite a bit more. Yeah, three years at five. I mean, I'd rather have that than Marlowe. I think what's I think Marlowe's only going to play two years. I think yeah. he's going to collect all of the money and play two years. So basically, for him, it's like nine and a half million a year to come play in Toronto and maybe win a cup. Right, and the only way, like you mentioned, the only way they get him, like if they offer him two years, he ain't coming. Like he'll just go back to San Jose. I would think. Yeah, if San Jose would probably would. I don't know for sure. Who knows? They probably would have offered two years at five million or something. But so, and that's not enough money for it to for him to move. The other thing I heard that was really interesting is that he's got four boys. All love. I think they all love hockey. I haven't talked to him about this yet. But his, his boys are going to come play in the GTHL, and that was part of the draw for him. They come back to Canada, and they can play really high-level hockey. And hmm. he's, He left Canada. He played for Seattle in, in junior. I remember him in junior. He's, he's so old that I was still living in B.C. watching, and I was doing little scouting reports on the WHL for McKean's Hockey, and he was just an unbelievable junior player, like just a superstar. He was like the Sidney Crosby of the WHL for Seattle. Huh. So he left. He's from a really small town in Saskatchewan. He left when he was 15 or whatever. Yep. And um, he hasn't lived in Canada in a long, long time. Well, just like ima- try imagining that yourself. Like, imagine if you had been in one place 20 years playing for one team or working for one organization, and then, like, you just uproot your life. Like, that must be hard. And he's, like, a very... I don't know him that He's really quiet. He's very, very quiet. I yep. get the sense he's a very conservative... He's very shy. Mm-hmm. That's why this talk about captaincy is just nonsense to me. Like I, can't well, he see. wasn't a great fit as the captain in San Jose. Yeah, to strip it from. Him. Yeah, like he's he's not like a natural. But I listen to the way Mike Babcock talks about him, and I wonder, like, oh, might they give it? They should. Yeah, but he'll talk they about. Shouldn't. They should talk they should about not. him coming in and being like, 
a good leader who's got they should a lot talk of experience. about him like they talked about Matt Hunwick. Right. That's basically what Mike right. will like about him. That they he is a, a professional. Yes. And so there's two things with, with him. Uh, one, and we'll get into a, a really good point you made in your story about free agency and how teams look at free agency. But one, he is like a fitness freak. Like mm. he's missed, I think it's 31 games in his whole career. Mm. And I did a story on him and, and Thornton last year about that, that both of them basically never miss games despite having maybe the hardest travel in the NHL. So that's a, a strike for him. The other thing is, like, when you look back at his career, he is, like, vastly underrated for how oh, yeah. the counting numbers of his career. They're incredible. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I do, too. Yeah, like, he's he was an amazing, amazing player. Yeah. But they're getting the 38-year-old version. Well, and that's the thing. It'd be, but, I, 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 I like Patrick Marlowe. I hope he has a renaissance. I hope he has a really big year next year, even if that makes me wrong about him. And I think he could. If you play him with Matthews and you give him a lot of power play time and... Yeah, but just from what I saw in San Jose, I think he's lost what made him a really magical player for a long time. That that year, that twenty thirteen fourteen, when he was on the Olympic team and that regular season he had, and he would have been thirty four years old, almost thirty five. He had an unbelievable year, like probably one of the greatest thirty four year old seasons in the NHL history. Hmm. He just had an outstanding. But it's we'll see. Well, you hit on the the most important part. I think a free agency is teams buy the version of what the player was and not what the player is. Right. And it seems to be a, a annual mistake where you think yeah, you're... I made a South Park reference on... Did you get the reference? I don't watch South Park. Member Berries. Okay, so people who know South Park will get your joke. <laughs> I know. Member Marlowe? Right, so... The, the Member Berries are like these berries that you eat and they talk to you and they just tell you like nostalgic things. They mostly talk about Star Wars a lot. Okay. Mem- well, that makes sense. Member Chewbacca... But so it that's makes, it makes people feel better because they remember. Right, and so they like, and, and this happened in. I don't know why this example stuck with me, but I remember it happening in Toronto when there was talk like of them trading for Eric Stahl, and it was like people thought they were getting you'd be getting Eric Stahl from when he was twenty one, not Eric Stahl from when he was thirty. Remember Eric Stahl? Exactly. It's like uh, the Rangers signed Brad Richards to that stupid contract. Same and thing. It's like all they picture is him lifting the cup when he's whatever he was twenty four years old and. Tampa, and it's... He is not that guy anymore. No. But what I think... He looks like him. Okay, so I'll make the case for Patrick Marlowe. What I think he... I think he gives him a few things. I think he gives him versatility. I think you can play him basically anywhere in your lineup. You can play him with Matthews. You can play him with Bozak. You can play him with Kadri. You could... Can't play him at center. No. But in a pinch... You know what what his face-off win percentage was last year? What's that? 18.8%. How many did he take? (laughs) Well... His face-off his numbers are like the last few years are terrible. I missed that. I should have checked. That. If you look at how many face-offs he's taken the last, like he basically hasn't played center regularly in a long time. He's not a center. They he's used a him a little bit there last year. I think I remember at a certain point. I think they eighteen point eight percent. I don't. Not good. Bad okay. going to see that for two games and be like, nope. Like, he's okay. not going to play center. I mean, if they have two guys get hurt or something, right? Like in a pinch, he can play center for a couple games. But so I think you can play him with anyone. I think you can. If you, I don't think they will use him to kill penalties. I don't think they need to. They have enough guys. They can use him on the power play. He's still okay on the power play. Like San Jose, I don't think San Jose's power play was actually as good last year. I'd have to check. Or maybe it was. I think the first unit was really good because Brent Burns. But I think they took yeah. Marlowe off of it. He was down to about two and a half minutes. But so they can use him there on a second power play. Like they don't, like Toronto has so much skill that they can just balance out their power plays. Uh, I just think he's a versatile guy for them. But my prediction is like 23 goals, 20 assists, 43 points. I think like, he is around 40 points. Yeah. 15 to 20 goals. I guess the question is, like, does the opportunity present themselves over the course of the year where 
maybe they could have used spent that money on something else, or they could have stayed out of long term injured reserve for at least part of the year and banked yeah. some cap space. I don't know. I mean, like they had, but that's an uncertainty, right? Like at least, yeah, they probably think we know what we're. I think it makes sense that you bring in Marlowe, you trade JVR, and then Marlowe's your JVR replacement. And See, I'm not sure I agree with that. I know that's like the popular wisdom. I don't tell well, me JVR so, was offered. So, so JVR, early. okay, something was happening with JVR. If if that gets you that defenseman to complain your pop, top four, I'm, I would be okay with that. Guy. Yeah, but I think I think you might be better. Continuing to have that threat of scoring on three lines, like that's what made them so. But you would with Marlowe, though, wouldn't no, you? No, not the same. Like if Marlowe plays with Matthews and JVR continues to play with Bozak, suddenly you still have that three-line attack, and you've got a better fourth line because now you don't have to play Zach Hyman on your top line. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of. I'm pretty sure Hyman's still going to be in. The so, top, like you mentioned, nine. you said like it's good if Mar- like Marlowe will probably be. Your eighth best forward. If you take away JVR, suddenly like you're a bit worse up front. Yeah, but maybe you don't need to have all. But that I offense. think they've got lots of depth. Like I think Kapanen yeah. can play up. And yeah, that's a good point too. It feels like they're going to move somebody. Don't you think it feels like they're going to move somebody and like open a hole? I think it's possible. I also think that one thing Babcock mentioned, which was a good point at the end of last year, was like Tampa example. Like when all everybody on yeah. Tampa got hurt, they had all this depth in the minors that could yep. come up. If yep. you don't trade anyone, They're you have that definitely going to have a top nine forward get hurt next year, right? And, and maybe someone misses the whole. And year. so now, like you have Soshnikov, you have Kapanen, you have you don't have Leipzig anymore. You have Levo. Yeah, I don't know Andreas Janssen. Right, the organization's really high on. Yeah, uh, that Altonen guy they yeah. brought in. Like, Altonen. Yeah, like apparently he's like. So like suddenly you have depth, but I think that gets to Eric kind Fair. of. I don't think so. Remember Eric Fair? Right. That's exactly it. Remember when he was good in Washington? He won a cup. But so that kind of gets to the overarching thing. I don't know what the word is. But with Marlowe signing, that was like a we think we can win now kind of move. Like you don't make that move if you, you're still trying to like yeah, but be tepid. and Yeah, that's what everyone's saying. But it's like, yeah, like isn't that the obvious thing that they should think they could win now? Not necessarily. Like the people who are like saying they should oh keep stay slow with the rebuild and all that stuff. It's like no, I mean well, but that, they have to recognize that you could have a front office who just says no, we're going to continue to do this slowly, blah 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 blah. Like you have to kind of push your chips in the table right. and realize like look at the look at the league. Who's I the favorite? If part of it top? is just Lou Lamorello is like seventy five years old and like he's probably not going to be the GM for a super much longer time. We'll see about and, that. Yeah, we'll see. We were actually supposed to talk about that on last. Times podcast and I forgot. So maybe I'll add the note to that at the end. Anyway. But so you don't think, like, I think that is telling, and I think when you look at the, let's just look at the Eastern Conference, who's definitively better than them right now? Well, I think a lot of teams got weaker. I mean, the Capitals got, got weaker. Worse. Capitals got worse. I don't know what Montreal's doing. I don't Ottawa's know. Ottawa's in trouble. Like, right. Unless the Shabbat kid comes in on D and is amazing. Because they lost Mathod. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they're doing with Dion. I mean, Pittsburgh's still going to be good, right? Did but they... Pittsburgh got worse. Pittsburgh they lost, lost Benino, they lost Daly, they lost Flurry, and they lost yeah, Hainsey. Benino hurts a bit, yeah. But they'll get Latang back, and that's a big boost. Right. But, like, I, I just don't... Like, Tampa, I think, will be good. I think that's kind of the team everyone looks at and says, like, that's the team to beat. But, I don't know, is Toronto not match up talent-wise with them? It's going to be a big dog pile for, like... 
you know, who gets hurt, who gets good goaltending, who, you know, that's going to have a big impact. Well, and... It'll have a big impact on who has 105 points and who has 95 and who has 90. Yeah. Which is the difference between 105, you're one of the best teams in the East, 95, you're wild card, 90, you're out. And Leafs could be any one of those things. Sure. Well, and, and like last year was such a charmed year that basically nothing went wrong. Other than they couldn't win a shootout. Yeah. And watch, that'll turn around. And you know, Anderoth, people will be writing stories. You know, Sandroth was four foot three every night, or whatever. What's, what's the quote Babcock has? No, he wouldn't use that. He was six three. That's what Curtis McElhaney is. He's six three in the net every right. night. And you know, Sandroth was four foot two every night. He was a midget. Yeah. I don't think he has a job yet. Does well, he? Poor Jonas. Uh, okay, is there any Swedish seagull? Well, actually, so this this kind of gets into a qu- okay. So questions. These are some of the questions that people had. I didn't write down usernames because I don't respectfully. I don't think anyone cares. We're brought to you by Babsocks. But people who ask and these questions varies. will know. Um, so someone asked about Zach Hyman, uh, where he fits kind of in the lineup with Patrick Marlowe coming in. We can get into his contract in a sec. But do you think this will be the straw that pushes Mike Babcock to take him off Matthew's line, or do you think he keeps him? In that spot with Neilander on the right, I think he keeps him in that spot. So that's presuming then that Van Riemsdyk gets traded, no? Or maybe Marlowe plays with Kadri on that shutdown line, Kadri and Brown. Yeah, Comrov that would be a good line. Bumps to your fourth. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's an option. Well, Zach Hyman also is a right shot, so he can play right wing on the fourth line if needed. So it could be. I think that makes them Martin or better, Hyman, doesn't it? If he's on the fourth line, doesn't it? Like, if your fourth line's Moore, Hyman, Mount Martin? It would probably be a better... I'm trying to think of how good of a possession line that would be. It would hinge on how good Moore is. He's a good four-chugger. Yeah. I bet he keeps him there to start, for sure. With Matthews. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. I think paying him 2.25 on a four-year deal, I think that kind of says Hyman's probably in the top nine for a while. I thought it was a little bit... Much, but like not by much. Yeah, I think down for one seven five. Yeah, I don't think two year deal. I think it's a little high, but we know Babcock. I kind of I haven't written my Hyman's and he's a good talent, but I can. Yeah, he's he's and I think Hyman's going to get better. Yeah, I think he's going to improve. Well, that was like his first extended NHL opportunity, right? And I know he's old, and I know people are going to say, "Oh, he's going to decline at twenty seven or whatever." But not everybody follows the same aging curve, and Mm -hmm. Hyman's. One of those guys that is going to be working twelve hours a day, every single day, all off season, and if he can improve his shot a little bit, yeah. Well, I think he's probably ten to twelve goals, thirty-ish points. You know who he reminds me of is Dan Winnick. That's kind of like what he's yeah. like. Good possession guy. Yeah, kills penalties. Yeah, that's a good. You look throw. at the stat profile, and he's very close to Dan Winnick. That makes sense. I, there's, I can see how they would be similar. But this reminds me of one thing that we didn't talk about with Marlowe. To me, what and you kind of hit on that you don't think he'll play a third year. I think they realize that they have this two year. And Lou actually talked about this. There's this two year window where they kind of have an opportunity. They have lots of cap space, right? So they have this opportunity where all those guys are on. Well, not all of them. Where Marner and Matthews, for sure, with two years, will be on entry level contracts, and there's an opportunity to try to win now. Yeah, and Neilander's new contract, well, whatever it's going to be, six and a half, seven. I, I, it's hard to say. What would you do if you were him? If I was him, yeah, I would probably take a short deal and then just like get eighty points. Do yeah, do a three by five or something, and then like your next deal, you'll be getting eight and a half or something. Are you surprised he didn't play like hard? Or ball with Hyman 
Like that, like if I was Zach Hyman, that would basically be what my desirable contract would be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. like. Do you think they'll play? Like, I think Brown is harder because like Brown has better numbers. Yeah, I think they might even go longer than four years with Brown. Like five by? Would you do five by three? I would def- I think that's a win for the Leaves because I think Brown's going to be. I think he's going to be like a forty-five point guy, like long term. I think part of what the Leafs are trying to do is get some of these depth guys at numbers that they can live with long term, even when the cap gets problematic. And then you can have these top nine forwards that are only making between two and three, mm-hmm. and you're not going to be like you just can't pay depth, quote unquote depth guys, when your big guys are making tons of money. But if you can get them in at relatively low numbers, yeah, it still gets back to like that you don't need Matt Martin. You just, yeah, you just don't. Like, for three more years. I wonder if at, at some point they move him. Two and a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a good contract. So, what the Hyman piece I'm working on, I was looking at how many low dollar long term deals have been signed because Hyman's a very unusual contract. There are not very many guys making under two and a half million a year on a four or five year deal. Like well, Matt Martin's one of them. Yes. Yeah. But there's like there's only been like eight of those contracts in the on, under this CBA. Well, and do you know what's going to happen is Leo Komarov will presumably go after this year. They'll replace him with whoever Kapanen or Grundstrom or one of these guys, and Marlo. that and that creates some room. You know what I mean? Like that you just kind of well. I mean, do we it. do we think any of Komarov, JVR, Bozak is back next year? Komarov, maybe the rest. No. Yes, that's what I think too. That's what I was going to say. So. What I was going to say with Nealander's new deal, you get him for six or six and a half or whatever it is. Um, I mean, you're going to be losing, even just losing JVR and Bozak, that's eight and a half. So you're freeing up space there. Right. Like, it's like you're balanced. And, and that, the point I brought up to you when we were texting about the Marlowe contract is you are so badly underpaying Marner, Matthews, Nealander that it's sort of okay that you overpay Marlowe. Well, the... Do you see that Matt Cain guy does really good like salary projection numbers? Yeah. He had Marlowe at being worth four like, or something, four point no? three or something like that. So that's like yeah. probably actually his value. Now it might go down a little bit as he gets older, but the cap will go up a little bit. And so you're they're overpaying him about two million dollars for yeah. leadership and all that stuff. And like if you put collectively what Marner, Matthews, and Neilander are worth, they're they're paying what? I guess they have to trade that third year of the contract. Right. At some point, all of this use of long-term injured reserve, this is what other executives with other teams tell me, is that it's going to be a problem. I know weak fans and media happen? kind of ignore it, but if you have these bonus overages, so let's say it happens again. So they're in long-term injured reserve this year for sure. That's what the Marlowe contract means. But when you're in long-term injured reserve, every cent of an entry-level bonus that your players hit is carried over to the next year. There's mm-hmm. no, None of it gets kept on your cap from the year before. That's one of the downsides of using long-term injured reserve. That's why teams are trading away Mark Savard and Chris Pronger in those contracts, because they don't want all their entry-levels to carry over to the next year. So let's say the Leafs' kids hit as many entry-level bonuses as they did last year. $5.37 million goes against next year's cap. Um you're going to be in long-term injured reserve again that following year because you still have Horton unless you can find there's probably no way you can trade that so that makes it more likely that um, you're going to be into the you're going to have the bonuses carry over to the next season when your cap is really tight so you see what I'm saying like yeah. it's like a domino effect it's you like you're keep, kicking the ball down yes. the road huh. so at some point like two and a half years from now we might look back and be like, boy, they really should have tried harder to get out of long-term injured reserve. One way they could do it is if they would trade Luke right now. 
they can find someone to take him. <sighs> yeah. I guess the, the question I always had with that loophole idea is who is the asset you're attaching to it and is it worth it? I guess it's worth it potentially for the cap space, but who are you willing to give up? Willing the to give up cap in it? is that they also have Horton, so and they brought in Marlowe, so even if you trade loophole, you might be into long-term injuries. And Horton has two more years after this one. Right. So. so there's just like that one poison pill year there where, or two, I guess, with, where's Horton's deal? Okay, yeah. So when the big contracts are coming... Not this year, not this year, but this year. And you're still going to have long-term injury reserve on Horton. So, like, they could have... This year, they could have a big bonus over... They could have a big bonus over here, here, and here. Mm-hmm. Although, maybe they don't have the high-level kids on entry levels anymore at this level, so they're not getting bonuses. I, You know what I mean? Like, it's just... If you use long-term injury reserve every year, you're going to have an overage. Well, and do you know what the sneaky thing is, just looking at this now? Um, besides, obviously, Matthews and Marner. Look who you have to pay also in the summer of 2019. Right. Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner's going to get a lot of money, yeah. So. Or you right. let him walk. Actually, you probably let him walk, but. I think you got to keep him, though. Well, you maybe. Have, you yeah. don't have enough pieces on your D. You don't know where they are. So, Gardner, point. after yeah. this time next year, they can sign him to an extension. I think they got to move fast on that and try and get him for like 5.8 or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I mean, Jake Gardner's 27 already. I know. Well, right. That's Imagine how old we're going to feel when Jake Gardner's the old guy. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to the next thing. Actually, we'll save that one for last. Uh, someone asked about Levo, Kapanen, and Sashnikov, what some of these moves mean for them. I guess it, it all depends on if they... If they make another move. If they make another move. But in the, in the immediate term, it means they're not starting with the Leafs, right? Well, Levo needs waivers. The other two... Does Sashnikov need waivers now next year? Mm, let's see. I think he's still on his entry-level deal, right? Yeah. He's still, still on his entry-level level deal. So he's, exactly. he's probably in trouble in terms of making the team. But Levo is needs waivers, and who is the other guy I said? Kapanen. I want to see Kapanen with the Leafs next year, but I well, can see again, him. like you have now, you have Matt Martin taking a spot. Like that should be yeah. Kapanen. Yeah. But did. so what it does, at least at the very least for them, is they now have organizational depth at forward. For sure. And like you mentioned, someone's going to get hurt. Like they didn't have any. I of that mean, you last want year. to have two good forwards with the Marlies. That if you bring up, there's no, there's no subtraction. I think they're going to have a major injury to a forward next year. I mean, to go two straight years without having any would be crazy. Yeah. What they don't have is center depth still. Right. Unless you count Eric Fair, which I don't really. Right. And that's Especially been kind of a Marley's, problem. They don't, have much. they don't have hardly anything there. Right. Especially now with Goche. Can that Altman guy play center? I don't know. We need some foreign correspondents. That's the only problem with... Yeah. <laughs> we do need that. Yeah, does anyone in Finland want to report for us on the Leaf Report podcast? Well, Ben Smith, I guess, is back. We pay back. in Babsocks. <laughs> ben Smith is back, so they have that. Remember Ben Smith? Yeah. Okay, this is the last one, and we've kind of... Actually, no. Yeah, it is. And then we'll talk about the front office briefly. Uh, so do you, we still think that they will try to make a move for a top four defenseman, right? Yes. So who else is it? like you're down on Vatn and I still think that's a guy they probably would Vatnin's like. like. He's like, fine. He's not. He's Didn't have a great year last year. He's very like. Who are you getting first. that's Who are you getting that's better? Oh, I don't. You just try and who shake okay. somebody loose, right? Chris Tanev. Chris Tanev is an option. I guess Jacob Truba, Truba is the, yeah. That's but I don't know how you get. I, I like Justin Falk in Carolina. Like, I, I wonder t- if Carolina struggles if they finally look at moving him for an offensive piece. Well, and they added Van Riemsdyk. They've they have enough D. And they have some really good young D. 
So I think they could survive without Falk. What are you giving them? I don't know. That's the other part of the equation. Okay, so well, like, we did, we just just talked about how many extra prospects they have. Maybe you look at moving one of those guys. Yeah, especially if you're w- trying to win now. Like you have an Carolina wants to offense. That's what they would want. In so a James Van Riemsdyk, his uh, offense. Maybe he doesn't really fit the way that they. Would you trade Kapanen for Justin Falk? Falk's not old. Sure. Yeah, I do. That. So I don't know. Maybe that. I don't know if that gets it done. I actually don't think. Well, in a pick, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, fans are going to be going nuts, but. Just, just to give you that defensive piece that you need. Well, if you have an opportunity to win the cup now, you right. try to win the cup. Like, you just don't... Mess. You're right, though. Where do you find that? Because it's really difficult. So it's hard. Like, I don't think they can win the cup with this D. I don't I, think I do. they can. You I think do. they can do it? Yeah. They'd have to get lucky. Like, I, I, last year is kind of a stupid one to compare to because they have well, two they have, Hall of Famers yeah. and, like, a goalie playing... Right. Really Both their goalies well. were excellent, and yeah. they have Crosby and Malkin. Like, but I just... I, I think you can get by with a decent defense. I think it's an okay defense. I think it's a, it's, it's fine. And the other thing, like this is the one thing I keep trying to remember. You can still trade for someone during the season. Like yeah. you can still trade for an expiring contract at the trade deadline. And That's what I would try date. to do. Yeah. But then again, you look at the expiring contracts and who's on right defense, and there ain't much there. Like I've, I've looked through it. There's not. Okay. There's not a lot of. It's not a lot of gold to be found there. The year after, there's a whole bunch of good defensemen that are going to be coming up. But there are a lot of them will probably re-sign with their teams. Right. Like, people were talking about Vlasic and whatever, and then he gets Eight seven years. years or whatever. He's also a lefty. Um, okay, last thing on the podcast brought to you by Babsox. Uh The front office. We were supposed to talk about this at some point. We didn't talk about this? Didn't, did we or we didn't? I don't know. I'd be shocked if we didn't. That's okay. We can talk about it. Maybe this, we this is like the number one thing I get asked about. So okay. So what do you think the future of the front office is? Do you think? Do you still believe that Dubis is going to be the GM? I'm sure we talked about this. Yeah. Did I we? I, I can't I, remember. I, I do think that Dubis is going to be the GM. Yeah. Long. Okay. So this is the last Long-term, year. I don't know. I don't know when. But. Well, this is the last year of Lou's deal. I think Lou will. I. This is based on nothing, but I don't think he's going anywhere after this year. Right. So maybe like they bring him back for two years and then he transitions the into a senior Lou advisor. Like, can you move him up to be like the president or whatever? Well, in, Will in he New Jersey, that? it showed that you cannot. Right. So, and then the other side of it is like, how patient does Dubis want right. to be? Can because be? Colorado really wanted him, and there's going to be more teams that come after Kyle. And right. So and so, if it's the right job, like they they were able to hold him back from one job, but. I don't know that that's going to happen again. And that's not a great job. Let's and Dubas got a new contract, I think, two years. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. If it's a better job, then it becomes interesting. Like, Colorado's a you-know-what show. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that it sounded like Dubas wanted to go there. I think that says there's only that says There's only 31 jobs. Yeah. But it says something that he wants to go to a... At least Colorado has a couple good pieces, and there's not a lot of mess there to clean up. Like, there's not a whole bunch of big bad weird contracts. ownership and yeah, Joe Sackick. yeah, and the attendance has been a problem there. And yeah, yeah, that's a weird team. That is a weird team <laughs> to deal with. They effed it up. They're always no, but like it's like a weird organization to deal yeah. with. It's always been weird. Like the Greg Sherman thing as the GM was weird. Well, Cronky's like a weird owner. They've, mm. It's always been. You can. It, it's interesting working in this business in the media because you can kind of tell which teams are odd just from like trying to deal with them. They don't respond to your emails. Yeah, they, they don't acknowledge that you're so alive. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, okay, that's all we got. Yeah, I gotta get going here. You have to leave. Uh, okay, so we'll be back at some point if something happens, or if not, before the season or before camp. Thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah. Hey,
People always ask how I got my nice things. Take my crown to the grave. Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle.